Praise the Lord and good morning, Granbury and Two County Church, Two County Parish. I say good morning, morning to each and every one of you listening and to all of our friends in uh, virtual land. It's a pleasure to have you join us this morning for our worship today, June the 14th. I especially want to call your attention to a couple of announcements for this coming week. Next Sunday, praise the Lord, we will be fellowshipping together in worship, in person, in our sanctuary, Granbury. And we're certainly looking forward to that. Our service will begin at 9.30 and we will have a wonderful time together celebrating, being together again, celebrating Father's Day and also celebrating Holy Communion. That's next Sunday morning. Be on the lookout in your email or text messages or even a friendly phone call sharing with you the uh, requirements that we are striving to meet and actually they are requirements so we expect to meet them in order to hold service next Sunday. So you'll be getting notifications on what those requirements are, what we're asking you to do to help us to be prepared and to enjoy service, worshiping together next week. With that said, let us prepare our hearts and our minds for our worship together. And I ask you just to observe a moment of silence with me and then we will have our call to worship. That will be followed by our opening hymn, our opening hymn. Come, you children of the Lord. Listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. This is from Psalm 34, verses 11 through 14. Now our hymn. It's now time for our morning prayers. Our prayers of the morning. We begin by beseeching, that is laying our heart's concerns to the Lord uh, formally. And then we follow that with our pastoral prayer. And that, of course, is followed by the prayer that our Lord has taught us. Again, I ask you to just observe a moment of silence and then we will begin with our prayer concerns for today. And just, just, just before I ask you to observe that moment of silence, let me mention the names that we will be praying for during our pastoral prayer time. We are going to be starting with praises and thanksgivings. We're thanking the Lord for the way he's been moving in the life of Jacob. That is uh, Delma and James's grandson. We just want to thank the Lord for the way that Jacob is progressing 
in this season. We want to intercede. We want to pray for the Cruz family in their loss of Mildred. We want to pray, uh, offer a prayer of thanksgiving for Maurice. We are so thankful to have seen him over the past few weeks uh, join us for our drive-in services. He'd not been able to join us prior to this time for several months, and it was so good to see him and have him with us. We continue to pray for Bobby. We pray also for Danny and Barbara. We're asking the Lord to provide uh, Danny with a good report when he hears from his last test this week, his doctor's reports from his last uh, physical test during last week. We're praying for Mary uh, in her time of loss, and also we're praying for Anne Martin and the Vickers family in their uh, loss of kin. We are also praying a prayer of thanksgiving because Gladys is recovering from surgery well. We want to ask the Lord to continue to keep his good hand resting upon Gladys. We're now praying for a family of, of uh, Tom Blair, that is a family that uh, he grew up with. Their son, uh, John Tuck, um, went home to be with the Lord this week. And as we all know, uh, who have ever uh, lost a loved one, that this is a bittersweet time. Always glad to know where that person is and that we have the hope that we are going to see them again. But we, we, we experience the pain of their absence from us here on earth. We're also praying for everyone who's been affected by COVID-19 and anyone and everyone who's been affected by the recent riots and protests. We're praying for the families of all of the victims. Those are our requests this morning. And again, I ask you just very briefly, please, please bow your heads for a moment with me. O oh God, who has made us messengers of peace in a world of strife and messengers of strife in a world of false peace, make our strong, our hands strong, Lord God. Make clear our voices. Give us humility with firmness and insight with passion that we may fight not to conquer but to redeem. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we call upon you, Lord God, and your good name this morning. We call upon you as the God of strength, comfort, and healing. We call upon you as the great physician. We call upon you as the Heavenly Father who hears and answers the cries of his children. We call upon you this morning on behalf of every name that has been named on our list this morning. Those, Lord God, we start with those who are bereaved this morning, Lord God. You know, you know, you know the pain that they felt. We know your word tells us that Jesus himself wept at the tomb of a loved one, of Lazarus. And we ask you, Lord God, just as you comforted Lord God, Mary and Martha, Lord God, as you comforted that widow of Nain, Lord God, we're asking you to comfort, Lord God, and strengthen those with actions, Lord God, that remind them, reassure them, demonstrate to them that you are the God 
of life and resurrection life hereafter. Comfort them with those words and send in godly comforters that will speak your words as well. Father God, for those who continue to need a healing touch, we're asking you, Lord God, to show yourself as the great physician, just Lord God, as you did for so many as you walked for three years among us as our incarnate God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Touch and heal and, yes, deliver, Lord God, those who need that kind of touch today. We pray, Lord God, for your provision today. A provision, Lord God, for those, Lord God, who need, who are calling on you, Lord God, for Father God healing, Lord God, yes, from COVID-19, and those, Lord God, that are, need your healing from emotional scars, Lord, emotional scars that have been, Lord God, born, Lord God, on their souls and on their spirits by things, Lord God, unjust things that have been done to them, Lord God. Father God, from the victims of the riots and from those who are, are uh, demonstrating, Lord God, because, Lord God, of wounds, Lord God, that have been born over years, Lord God. Father God, of oppression, Lord God, and injustice, Lord God. Father God, we trust you, Lord God. We trust you because, Lord God, we know that you are the good God and you are the God who watches over your people, who hears, answers, delivers us. And we say thank you. We, Lord God, will not close without celebrating with those who are celebrating, Lord God. And we are rejoicing today with those, Lord God, who are rejoicing because they have experienced healing in their lives, in their families' lives, Lord God. They've seen you, Lord God, move and answer prayer, and we say thank you with them, each and every one of them. We say thank you, Lord God. And then, Lord God, we, Lord God, Pray, Lord God, a closing prayer. The closing prayer is the one, Lord God, that our Lord taught us. We address you, Lord God, as the Holy One in heaven. You are our Father in heaven. You're the hallowed one. And we pray, Lord God, this morning, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us, Lord God, our sins, as we forgive those, Lord God, who sin against us. Save us, Lord God, from the time of trial. And deliver us, Lord God, deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, Lord God, the power, Lord God, and the glory, all are yours now and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. Amen. And amen. It's now time for our scriptures to be read. And um, as we have been doing over the past few Sundays, we are so very blessed to have children as a part of the family life in Grand Barry and in the two county parish churches. We, we are so glad this morning to have two readers, Grant and Oliver. They are the uh, grandchildren of Sharon and Kenny. I ask you to listen closely as they read for us 
Our scriptures for this morning, our scripture comes again from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Oh, our scriptures were beautifully read for us this morning. And again, we thank Grant and Oliver. Our message for this morning, again, comes from our message series. Uh, Of course, you've heard the scriptures, Matthew 5, verses 1 through 12. And our our verse for focus, our, our, our scripture of focus, our beatitude of focus today is blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, we have been studying um, the Beatitudes over the past several weeks, in fact, over, over the past several months since uh, uh, the beginning of the year. Um, and throughout our study, we have recognized the fact that Jesus is building uh, the blessed characteristics of righteousness that is, righteous attitudes and actions, one upon the other. Last Sunday, we studied the character traits of a pure heart, the pure heart. And we continued that study throughout our week um, as we meditated upon and sought the Lord in prayer for a pure heart, a clean heart, a holy heart through our devotions. And a pure heart, having a pure heart, prepares us to become the blessed peacemakers that are called the sons of God. And certainly now, in this season of time, as we watch the world in turmoil, we need, as our hearts desire, what we want more than anything else, is to be our Heavenly Father's vessels 
and examples, distributors of God's peace. We watch on television, we see on social media, we see in the newspapers, magazines, images shouting out, as it were, to us for the need for peacemakers amid those that are probably what we might easily uh, uh, say are or call peace breakers or maybe even peace fakers. We have witnessed before our very eyes over the past weeks the stark contrast between peaceful demonstrations and violent, violent confrontations disintegrating into destructive vandalism and looting of businesses, personal businesses and personal property. People we might have first considered uh, peace breakers, we might begin to call them rather lawbreakers. They not only disturb the peace and the tranquility of cities and towns and neighborhoods, but they broke the laws of the land. Now, as we continue to, to study and, 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 and consider further uh, in depth the teaching of Jesus' Beatitudes, that is the attitudes and actions of those who desire to live as righteous residents of the kingdom of God. We should remember that in the latter portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he indicates that the righteousness that is to be sought by those who want a pure heart and want to be classified, want to be known as, want to be vessels, known to be peacemakers. They must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. We see that in Matthew chapter 20. I want to ask us to just take a moment now and, and I just want to pray one more time. Father God, I thank you again for the opportunity to share the word, Lord God, that you have given me and are giving me at this time, Lord God, with your people. I pray, Lord God, that you, Lord God, speak not only to me, but speak through me, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that those words, Lord God, that you desire, Lord God, us to walk in, Lord God, that you will write those words on the tables of our hearts, that we might live out your command to us, your desires for us, that we will be righteous, righteous children of God. Now Jesus begins in the latter half of the Sermon on the Mount. We're not reading that at this very moment, but the latter half of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is outlining, outlaying, uh, outlining, excuse me, the um, laws, the laws of the kingdom of God. This is where the laws are mentioned. What he cites for us is the fact that the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Sadducees and the Pharisees have reinterpreted, misinterpreted, and even broken the laws, the commandments of God that are given to us in the first five books of the Bible. For instance, they've broken the law of murder. You shall not murder. 
You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now we ourselves are striving to avoid being the peace breakers, the lawbreakers that the Sadducees and the Pharisees had become. But Jesus is inviting us to take a look this morning again at our hearts. And there's a specific aspect of our hearts and our minds and our lives and our attitudes that the Lord has been addressing and laying on my heart as we look at lawbreakers, peacebreakers, this morning. Let us go very, very, very quickly to an epistle, the epistle of James, verses 3. Chapter 3 first, verses 3 through 10. Indeed, we have put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large, they are driven by fierce winds. They are turned, though, by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue, the tongue, is a little member and boast of great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it can, it does, it will defile the whole body. It is capable of that and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. And with it, with it, we bless our God and Father. And with it, we curse men. Men who have been made in the similitude of our God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brothers and my sisters, these things ought not to be so. Ought not to be so. We may not be committing those sins that are listed in those the previous verses in Matthew 5, the latter part of Matthew 5, the latter part of the Sermon on the Mount. But God, through Jesus, mentions to us what the subtle uh, images of righteousness are that we are to ascribe to. And for this morning, we may say we have not murdered. Uh, I may say I've not murdered anyone. I may say that I've not stolen. I may say that I've not borne false witness. I have not gone to court. I've not dragged my brother or sister into court. I've not done those things. But nevertheless, there's sometimes sneaky little things that get into our lives. Sometimes we either 
do not know, we do not, we are not aware of, or we simply overlook. Such as gossip and slander and being a busybody, being opinionated and judgmental. These things are destructive. They are a destructive force against the church of Jesus Christ. They tear down, they cause division and friction. And whenever God begins to do something good, the enemy will always try to interrupt it. And one of his biggest snares is the tongue. The Lord has consistently, uh, personally been reminding me that life and death are found in the power of my tongue. And I must, as your pastor, I must as a Christian leader, be always cognizant of what I am saying. That I want to bring life, the life of Christ, the love of Christ, into the ears, the ear gate, and into the lives of those that God has entrusted, not just to me as a pastor of a local church, but me as a witness of Christ in the world. That is what God is speaking to us this morning. He is saying to us today that he wants us to guard our tongues as we speak of issues that are concerning this nation and the world in this season that are concerning leadership, both leadership in politics, local and national, as well as leadership within our congregations, our churches, not just pastoral leadership, but leadership among us as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. There is never a good enough reason for sins of the tongue. Let us begin to use our tongues to pray more fervently for the deliverance of those that are bound, for the salvation of those that are lost, for the encouragement of those that are brokenhearted, let us use our tongues to speak life in this dark time. Let us not be lawbreakers or peacebreakers. We want to be peacemakers. I mentioned a moment ago, peace fakers, peace fakers. Well, what are peace fakers? Those are ones, uh, and I guess the truth of the matter is, uh, we've all been involved in, in peace faking, F-A-K-I-N-G, at, at one time or another. It's a temptation, I know, to have to guard against every day of, of our lives, of my life, of my life. And, and the peace faker is one who prefers, listen to me now, peace over truth. Peace fakers see peace as simply the absence of any kind of argument or discord. 
They will go to any length to avoid any kind of conflict or confrontation or unrest. In doing so, they settle for counterfeit peace. Peace that is based on avoiding the real issue. Let's, let's, let's just give you a quick example here. You see a, a very good friend of yours taking a dif- direction in their lives that you can see is leading them into trouble. They're becoming a, a workaholic, for instance, or maybe, maybe, maybe even an alcoholic. You want to shake them. You want to shake them into their senses. But every time you broach the subject, it causes an argument, and you'd rather just be at peace with your friend. So after a while, you let it go. You avoid the issue and talk about more agreeable subjects. There's a famous pastor, you may have heard of him some years ago, Bill Hybels. He tells of a time like that in his own life and ministry. He said he went to a close friend who was obviously taking, taking a wrong turn, a bad turn, and he asked that friend to come to lunch with him so that they could talk, a nice, friendly chat. When the time was right over the meal, Bill said to his friend, I'm, I'm not trying to run your life, but I am concerned about the direction you are taking. He said that friend of his got so mad got so mad that that friend actually jumped over the table and punched Bill's lights out. So Bill, of course, backed off. Sorry, I'll never mention it again. And he didn't mention it again. And the outcome, his friend became shipwrecked. He shipwrecked his life. Bill Hybels is seen as as that friend uh, who was trying his best to maintain his own kind of peace. But Bill Hybels had the humility to say to his friend, I failed you, I failed you. I should have said, hit me if you have to. If it makes you feel better, but I'm going to stay on your case. Why? Why? Because I'm concerned about your future, my friend. In choosing peace faking or peacekeeping over truth telling, people think that they're being noble, but in reality, they're making a bad choice. Whatever has caused the tension in a relationship, if left ignored, will come back again and again and again until it is properly resolved. If things are not resolved, then that peace you're trying so very hard to maintain by avoiding the issue will get harder and harder to keep. And eventually, there will come a total breakdown in relationship. Relationships can die while everything on the surface looks peaceful. Peace at any price is a form of deception. When you know you need to tell the truth, the enemy will whisper in your ear, don't do it, don't do it. Keep, keep, keep the status quo. 
Truth-telling takes courage, but any other approach over time will eventually reveal and undermine the integrity of our relationships. So the second type of people who are seeking peace are peace fakers. And the third type, the third type of people are the ones that Jesus referred to. And these are the kind of people. These are the kinds of attitudes that we are striving so hard with everything within us to be and to become daily. Peacemakers, peacemakers, peacemakers. Peacemakers are very different kind of people. They are different to people who are peace breakers because they guard their tongue at all times. They think before they speak. They do not become confrontive just for the sake of being confrontive. They don't give their personal opinion all of the time. And they are able to walk away quietly and, yes, avoid conflict when the situation, when the spirit of the living God calls for it. They are different to peace fakers because they are prepared to tell the truth and then t- trust God for the outcome in order to have a peace that is worthwhile, that is genuine and long-lasting. They want real peace by resolving, not running away from, but resolving conflict. Peacemakers are prepared to put others' well-being above their own well-being and their own comfort. Let me, let me give you a little, little illustration here. Now just imagine with me for a very quick moment a mother She's looking out of her living room window at her three-year-old son who is riding on his tricycle in the driveway. Her heart is spilling over with love and she goes to the kitchen and she pours a glass of lemonade and she takes it out to him. After he drinks it, she picks him up and she hugs him and tells him just how much she loves him. The little boy feels wonderful, but while the mom is back in the kitchen, Turned her back. She's washing the glass. He gets back, of course, on his tricycle. And he just cruises right along on that tricycle out into the street where his mother has told him, cautioned him, don't you ever ride in that street. Mom looks out the living room window just as a car careens to a screeching halt and stops Carefully, carefully, the driver inches his way around the fallen child. The mother, she sees her precious son. And you know and I know, we know what that mother did. She flies, I said flies out of the door. She flies out of the door, rushes into the street. She picks up her baby boy. She grabs the bike, everything all at once, and she goes back into the house. I should say she runs back into the house, into the safety of her home. And as soon as she closes that door, she starts yelling. And not only yelling, but there are a few whacks there. The little boy wonders, what 
in the world went wrong? What, why, what's mom upset about? Because mom, just a few minutes ago, was hugging him and giving him lemonade. Where is all of this love gone, that love that he recognized? But when we understand that it is love, it is love, the yelling, the taps on the little sit-down, it was just a different form of mom's love. It was her protective love. Mom is saying, the happy time five minutes ago with the lemonade and the hugs is a distant memory right now because we are dealing with life and we are dealing with death. Your well-being is far more important to me than constant warm and fuzzy feelings. Peacemakers are motivated out of real love. Genuine, protective love. If there's any other motivation behind what I am doing or saying, or you are doing it or saying, it is not acting as a peacemaker. Well, all of this about peacemakers sounds good, doesn't it? We all want to be peacemakers, as God called us to be. But there comes a bit, a bit of this that is not so easy, so palatable to take, to hear, to receive. We must understand that peacemakers will often, please hear me, I raise my hand to this. Peacemakers will often be crucified. Now, why do I say this? Well, we all know why. Because the greatest example that the world has ever seen of someone being a peacemaker resulted in him being crucified for it. Jesus' primary role when he came to this earth was to be a peacemaker. He was making real peace, that peace that is so necessary for every single solitary human being. And that is peace between God and man. Truth had to be upheld. And the truth is that we are all sinners. Justice had to be done. Someone had to pay the price. God could not just sweep sin under the carpet. So Jesus came to make peace. But, well, as we know, that peace that Jesus brings is far more than just the absence of fighting. It's far, far more than just the absence of fighting. It is, this peace is a fully restored, fully restored relationship with God. In the bringing of such real peace, paradoxically now, conflict is inevitable. The most violent conflict that ever took place in all of history was witnessed by the universe as our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, hung upon the cross, making peace for us with God. 
And the cross has continued down through the ages to be grounds of conflict. It has been a bone of contention. Some have embraced it as love and commitment for Christ. Others have cursed it and ridiculed it. But it was nevertheless God's best for us. It was absolutely necessary, 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 necessary for us. It was necessary if peace was to be restored between God and man. I must tell you today that if you are to try to be a true peacemaker, as the word of God calls us to be, there will be times when you and I will be misunderstood and misrepresented. But God says, blessed are the peacemakers, for we shall be, they shall be, we shall be called sons of God. And when we read in the book of Romans, we know what the book of Romans tells us, especially in the King James, and the New King James Version. It is that the whole world is it's hungering, it's thirsting, it's looking for the manifestation, the living witnesses, the living epistles, those who live as the sons of God in the earth now. Why will they, why will we be called sons and daughters of God? Because when we are truly working for real peace, we will bear Christ likeness. You will look like, I will look like, we will look like our father. Folks may say we're chip off the old block. That's what we want. Just as a very quick aside before I close, I looked in the mirror this morning and I thought, ah, is that Anna Mae? Uh, that was my mother's name. Looked just like her at this season in her life. There's no greater honor in the world than for you or me, for one of us to have someone to tell us, wow, I really see, I really feel the spirit of Christ in you. That, my friends, is a true testimony to the life of Christ ruling and reigning in our hearts in our minds, in our attitudes. It's a true testimony that we have become peacemakers who are sons and daughters of the living God. Please bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, I've delivered to your beloved ones this morning what you've given to me. I pray, Lord God, that this word, Lord God, has served, Lord God, Father God, to encourage their hearts as it has mine that we might continue to strive to be all that we can be by the power of your Holy Spirit for you as pure in heart and as your peacemakers, sons and daughters of the living God. Amen, amen, and amen. Truly the words of that hymn are our words, expressions of our hearts as we close our service today. Let us now prepare our hearts and our minds to leave 
our worship service and to go out into the world as the peacemakers God has desired us to be. Dismiss us now, O Lord, with thy blessing and accompany us wherever thy grace should lead, that we may be henceforth those who live and represent you in peace, love, and holiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Go forth now in peace, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, be with you all. Amen, amen, and amen.